Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Red Carpet WrestleMania on UCLARadio.com. This week with me, I've got an awesome guest. Uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, my boss. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. How are you doing, Jason? Hey, doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so for people who don't know, I've been writing for Jason for a couple of years now, uh, mostly doing uh, reviews of WWE's Cruiserweight programming, 205 Live, but uh, other stuff as well. So, Jason, uh, quickly, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell people, you know, how you got into wrestling journalism? Oh, man. So that was like 1997, 98. I'm so bad with years. And I went to work for Wade Keller over at uh, Pro Wrestling Torch. And did that for, I don't know, roughly five years, then moved on to fanball.com, which was all fantasy sports, no wrestling there, but a lot of fantasy football and fantasy hockey, which was a lot of fun. And then the company was going to, they were bought out and they were going to move everything to St. Louis. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. And decided to launch.net. And so yeah, I've been doing, and I was still writing for the torch while I was at fanball. So I guess I've been doing this for 22 23 years now i think it's 23 years now i think uh the site itself has been around for what do we just celebrate 13 years i think it time just flies it's crazy but yeah it's it's been i, I feel every time i have to talk about this i feel like i'm just letting people know that i'm an old man not to hammer on that uh, you being old and stuff but I, I was only born in 99 so you definitely yourself and your career beats me by a couple of years at least wow now now you've really made me feel old <laughs> shame on you <laughs> yeah sorry about that but I, I had to do it to you so uh yeah you said you start off working for wade keller how did you you know start doing that did you reach out to him or did he pick you up from somewhere a mutual friend put us in contact i was a big fan and wade had just started his newsletter within that year and so a mutual friend kind of put us in con in contact with one another and then we started meeting up at occasional like WWF shows mostly. I think there were probably some AWA that was still around even the dying days of the AWA, but we would just meet up at different shows and um, Wade eventually his business grew to the point where he needed somebody to step in and help him out with some things. And I was kind of hired as a jack of all trades uh, to kind of come in and help with the mailing and just a little bit of everything. And then he had me kind of write a couple of TV reviews and different things and it didn't take long and, and I, you know, he really had to do a lot of coaching because I didn't have the formal writing background. I'd written for my school newspaper and things like that, but um, you know, he really coached me along and, and made me assistant editor. I don't even know how long into the run there, but it was, it was unexpected uh, considering that I was hired to do a lot of other things. And I still did all those, you know, the, all the, um, some of the grunt work with the mailing of the newsletter and, and taking him to the post office and all that. But um, it was very fortunate that Wade really took me under his wing. So, I mean, th that sounds kind of like a, a lot like uh, the way I got hired for you, which is I met John Moore and he, yeah. he got me in touch with you. So that's kind of funny. But um, I wanted to ask what got you into wrestling specifically? Did you watch it growing up or did you get into it later? You know, obviously um, I'm guessing, what did you grow up with basically? So I lived out, we lived out in the middle of nowhere when I was a kid and we couldn't get cable uh, for the longest time. This was, you know, cable had come, well, man, I'm really making myself out to be old today. And I guess I am, so it's fine. But so yeah, cable was just kind of becoming a thing and we lived out in the middle of nowhere. And so the only wrestling that I could get initially was the AWA and that was on broadcast television. And I, I don't know what age I was, but I, I played hockey growing up and my stepfather coached a team. And so on the, a lot of the weekends during the winter months, 
we would spend at hotels uh, for various hockey tournaments, either his team or my team. And then I had a stepbrother that played. So it always seemed like there was a tournament going on. And I bring that up because that's my first exposure to wrestling. I just remember flipping through channels on the television in the hotel and coming across the AWA for the first time and just being captivated, not so much by the matches, but by the promos. And, and I mean, that was the thing about the AWA, especially, you know, any old wrestling back then, the TV product, you didn't get, you know, the, all, all the matches that are, that mean something. It was, it was a special occasion. If you actually got a decent main event, it's so much of it were just squash matches where right. uh, they're rolling out somebody just to, uh, you know, who's going to win and it's going to be a brief match, but it was those promos and the AWA was such a promo driven territory that I was just hooked. And then from there, um, it just grew, you know, but we eventually got world-class championship wrestling on the UHF network. And then the WrestleMania boom happened with the Hulk Hogan era. And it just was wrestling all over the place. So even though I didn't have cable, I was still you know, able to see just a ton of uh, primarily on the weekends, um, just to just see all these different syndicated shows um, and just was able to kind of expand my horizons there. But it was such a treat. I, I still remember being a kid. And I'm probably, yeah, it was sixth grade. I was on uh, the, the school bus with a, a, just a classmate named Clint. And we both had come to the conclusion that the AWA was staged. But that world-class <laughs> championship wrestling, that was real to us for some reason. Right. I wonder if you would have come to that conclusion if it, if it wasn't world-class. It was WCW from 2000 or something at that point. I'm sorry, say that again. I wonder if you would have come to that conclusion if, you know, it wasn't world-class, but if it was WCW from a couple of years down the line, you know, 2000 or something like that. Yeah. I, I, well, we figured it out. He, I think he beat me to the punch. He was pointing out that like when the Von Erichs would apply the iron claw, it, their hands were sliding all over the opponent's head and it didn't look very dangerous. And I think we kind of put two and two together that, okay, this is stage two. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, so much, I mean, even as a kid, you, know, you I, I always have an uncle that, you know, that stuff fake. So it was always kind of planted in your head that it was, it was more just kind of wanting to believe more than anything. Right. And, and who kept you in it? Who were your favorites growing up? I think, you know, for, for me who writes for you, I think this might tell me a lot about, you know, what you like and don't like. You know, you would think it would, I, I don't know that it does. That's the thing. So I was pre WWF, it, the Hulk Hogan boom really took place in the twin cities in the AWA. And I started watching right around that time. So it really was, you know, Hulkamania. The, the birthplace was the Twin Cities as much as WWE would like to claim that it happened there. I mean, they were selling out the Civic Center in different places and it was just craziness was just how popular he was. Um, but I mean, once I was able to start seeing more, I mean, it was Hogan, uh, then the Von Erics once World Class came in and the Freebirds and Chris Adams and, uh, eventually getting to see the old Jim Crockett show on uh, the Saturday night show. That's when I started getting to see the horseman and Nikita Koloff and the rock and roll express midnight express. So a pretty wide variety, but I just liked everything, you know, and, and as a young fan, kind of the typical approach where you, you like the good guys and, you know, the baby mm -hmm. faces and you dislike the, the bad guys, the heels. Uh, there were some exceptions though. I always got a big kick out of Ric Flair and I'm trying to, there was Jesse Ventura was kind of fun for the promos because right. the, the matches were terrible, <laughs> unless Adrian Adonis was in the ring for him. But yeah, that, it was it just really, I mean, I liked who they wanted me to like for the most part at that age. 
Gotcha. So, I mean, for people who don't know, I'm assuming you grew up in Minnesota as well, right? Because you, you talked about being in the, in the Twin Cities. Yes. Yep. I am in uh, the, the Twin Cities area, about 30 minutes outside the Twin Cities. Okay, cool. So, you know, talking about that, say you had to uh, pick one one wrestler from back in that era or just one match for people now or fans now to go back and watch, what, what would you pick? Oh, man, a match from those days. See, that if, if we're talking AWA, that's really tough because the match quality wasn't there. It, How about you know, a promo then? You said promos were what drew you in. So, or a promo or, or a wrestler's promos. Sure. You know, one that's actually kind of and oddly timely is like AEW just did that exploding landmine match or the bar exploding barbed wire death match. I think they called mm-hmm. it. And there was a, a promo that Don Callis and Kenny Omega did where they were constructing this. And it was clearly inspired because Don Callis grew up on the AWA by an old mad dog Vashon promo where he was building a casket and I don't think they did a casket match. I think it was just called a death match. But he was building this oversized coffin for Jerry Blackwell. And, you know, just sitting there in the shop, pounding the nails and all of this. And, and so, I mean, classic promo that you can find on YouTube. Just, I would try Mad Dog Bashan coffin or casket. It should pop right up. Awesome. Okay. So for, for moving on to that, to your, your career in journalism, obviously you've been doing this for so long. So I just want to ask you, what are the main differences you think between uh, wrestling and wrestling journalism back then and now? Well, wrestling is just, it's gone through so many changes over the years. I mean, so much of it, you know, as I mentioned when I was a kid, it was still, even though you always had an uncle or somebody in your life telling you, ah, that stuff's fake, there were still believers, a lot of them. It wasn't just, you know, people that, that were young like I was, adults still wanted to believe and it was so it was just a different era and I'm, I'm really happy that I came up at that time just to have experienced that when people still thought this was real and they would get so emotionally involved in what they were seeing because they thought it was a real fight and so if Bobby Heenan insulted them they'd go crazy and, and fortunately things have you know toned down a little bit but I mean it was not some of the old guys will tell stories about people bringing knives or there was a, a somebody that shot at the ring once. And I don't remember who was in the ring in world-class championship wrestling, I believe it was. So, I mean, it was just, there were true believers out there. And, and so that has changed. And along with it, 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 that ties into the journalism because when I started reading the torch and then later the observer, it was taboo within the industry. You know, it was, I remember Mick Foley when he wrote his book, I think he, when it came to the torch talk interviews that Wade does, I think he referred to him something and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like where you go to bury your career because Mick had done one. And I don't remember what he said that got him heat, but it was just taboo where now, you know, we do have open lines of communication with WWE, um, AEW to some extent, you know, people are sending us press releases and things where, when I started the torch, WWE wouldn't publicly help out. They wouldn't give any interviews or anything like that, but they would always send. I remember getting the recording first thing on Monday morning from their weekend house shows. Here's the attendance. Here's how much money they made from that attendance. And here's how much merch they sold per head. So how much, if you divide whatever the merch total was by the number of people there, that would give you that count. So there was always somewhat of a relationship there. And I, I know, you know, Vince McMahon, I was sitting in the office and uh, I shouldn't say, I'm trying to think if I was ever there when Vince called, but I know, you know, Vince had talked to Wade and I'd met Vince a few times, just, you know, very casually, he'd probably have no clue who I was. Um, but 
there was some relationship there, but it, you know, things have expanded so much. And then the boom of the internet, which just changed you know, journalism for every field, uh, you know, that has been a, just such a game changer. And that instant, it, it, you, had, you had to wait a week, you know, sometimes if you get the torch in the, or the observer, wherever you were located, you know, something would happen on a Monday on raw, that was a huge deal. And that's a little bit later, obviously, but right. um, you know, you'd have to wait until, well, you'd basically have to hope and pray that the issue I didn't, I had this problem mostly with the observer just because you know, Dave's in California and I'm in Minnesota, but you would pray that he got that issue in the mail on Thursday, because if he didn't, you weren't going to get it until the next Monday in my area. And, and now obviously that's not a problem. And, and we went through the 900 line era where people would call in and pay a you know, small fortune just to get the daily news updates and that sort of thing. And now all of that, you can you know, find stuff online so easily. So yeah, it's just the accessibility has changed so much. And, you know, you, obviously you don't need to get into specifics, but what does profitability look like for wrestling journalism back in that day to now? You know, I see back in those days, I never knew the numbers. It was, I, I just was a salaried employee. And I, I think that it's, I'm guessing it's improved greatly from the early newsletter days because it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a matter of getting the word out there. Um, right. There, there were people who were subscribing. It was kind of a word of mouth thing. You kind of had to almost know somebody who happened to be a reader and they'd kind of turn you on to one of the newsletters or something. You know, and then things really did boom with that 900 era. And then there was the big internet boom. And now, you know, I used to tell people, like I used to joke with people about, um, you know, people that were not from, just not fans of wrestling, like that couldn't, like, why would you do this for a living? And it's like, well, I'm kind of fitting in. I always likened it to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. He covers football and he did so independently before he was hired by NBC. And I would say, you know, Mike does what he does. And that's kind of the approach I'm taking. I'm not affiliated with any of these companies. I'm covering them. And, and I said, and where the niche comes in is that it's pro wrestling. ESPN's not going to cover it. None of the major sports entities are going to cover it. Well, now they do. And so that's changed. So it there have been kind of some peaks and valleys along the way. And there's so much competition. You know, I mean, anybody can start a website. Anybody can start a podcast now. Um, I'm able to make a living, but it's not, it's certainly not like the, the peak times and and quite frankly the wrestling industry isn't in a, in a peak time i mean i do right. the pro wrestling boom podcast but this isn't a boom period i think people hoped it was going to be with aew and that launch and you know it's not it's not you can't put it on them for the fact that there really hasn't been a boom but they're just it's you know you, we can all see the numbers of, of what these companies are doing on television and there's also youtube and everything else that goes into it but yeah it's not a true boom period nobody's just completely caught fire and nobody really has since i would say attitude era monday night wars was kind of the last great boom period right okay you talked about your, your relationship with uh, wwe and AEW. uh uh, back in that day, obviously now people or but you even put out, you know, the post NXT press conference conferences and things like that. So I wanted to ask, what's your relationship with the companies like now? And do you think pro professional wrestling companies need to change their attitude with wrestling journalism? Or do you, do you like the way it's uh, trending? I, I think they've improved. They've come a long way, you know, because I was shocked. I still remember when Paul Levesque started doing those media calls and it was like, is this really going to happen? 
you know, we're going to, it sounds nice, but you, you, I think just even communicating with some other people in wrestling journalism, it was like, yeah, let's see if this actually goes through. We got the invite and everything. And it's like, I think I had to pull the plug, you know, pull a, um, it, it, the whole uh, Lucy in the football bit, pulling it away from Charlie Brown. I was shocked that he went through with it and he's been consistent with it ever since. And once, you know, the indie promotions were a little more, easy going um certainly mm -hmm. ecw uh, you know paul Heyman was always the phone call away back in those days so it, it, it basically there was a need from an ecw or a, you know pick your smaller ring of honor um pick your smaller group they had more of a need for us than wwe or wcw did and so they were cooperative to a point wwe or wwf at the time and wcw these days yeah i mean it's we do get those media calls and we do get press releases sent to us. And uh, so they're involved, but like, if I were to call up and say, Hey, I'd like to schedule an interview with Paul Levesque, not happening realistically. Gotcha. Um, believe me, I've tried with uh, AEW and, and they've been kind of a tough nut to crack. I, I think there some wrestling media seems to have a, a good relationship with them and they're willing to work with some and not others. And I, I'm not quite sure why we're not on that list, but so be it. Um, I, I think it, I, I obviously think it, it's going to sound, it, coming from me, it, it could sound self-serving, but even if I wasn't doing this, I would say that it makes sense to use the wrestling media just like any other sport or entertainment does. You want to get that word out there. I think it makes sense to have relationships with people so that if something goes wrong not that you're going to get favorable coverage because you do but you're going to you at least have that accessibility there's a familiarity there and if you've developed enough of a relationship you can actually you know you, not that you're not going to still investigate but let's say something tragic happens well if you know bob from bob's discount wrestling the owner wants to talk about it we already have that relationship you can call me and i know bob's kind of a straight shooter on some things and, and it's just, it's helpful in that way. Again, you're not going to get, and I think that's been, I've run into that over the years. It's more so from wrestlers than companies talking. They can't believe when you don't write something pop, but we talk all the time. It's like, that doesn't matter. You know, it's my job to cover you and give my fair assessment. And the fact that we talk, isn't going to change that. I believe me, I've lost some sources over the years that way, but with the companies, yeah, I just, I, I think it, it's beneficial to them in a number of different ways to actually have that relationship with media, both mainstream and more internet wrestling journalists, you know, however you want to label us. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's a really great insight into the world of wrestling journalism. Uh, let's just talk some wrestling now. Obviously we're on the road to WrestleMania. So just, you know, right, right now, I just wanted to ask, you know, which shows for you stand out as being the best in the entire landscape of wrestling, not necessarily in WWE, but just overall. So the best overall show, like week to week? Yeah, week, week to week. Uh, what does Jason Powell, you know, spend his time watching? What do you put yourself on? <laughs> well, I, boy, we'd be here all day if I ran through that Because Lord list. knows it's not 205 Live. No, that's one of those. It's one of the ones that I can get away with, you know. There's just so much freaking content now. You know, Raw is three hours. AEW is adding this new Monday show that I thought was going to be an hour, and it looks like they're going 12 matches for their first show, so that's not going to be the case. Uh, Tuesday is loaded. I mean, I could just go through this list. So, 
it usually it comes to you know some raws and smack raws usually pretty rough smackdown's been better there are weeks where i find that to be the most enjoyable but it usually comes down to one of the two wednesday night shows um, right. be- between dynamite or nxt and i really go back and forth between them it's it, it, there it just depends on the week and and i'll give an honorable mention to ring of honor because for the longest time their television show was brutal it, it just was here's three matches and you might hear a, a promo along the way if you're lucky and they took a pandemic break and when they came back they really retooled that show and so now you get usually two matches but they take a an mma ufc style approach where leading into those matches you get sit down features where the wrestlers are talking about themselves whatever they're trying to get over for the match and that kind of a thing and, and it's really just become an easy hour to watch i actually look forward to it whereas before the pandemic i used to just dread watching ring of honor not the pay-per-views but just the television show because it just lacked heart it was just you could tell it's like well let's get this show out and be done for the week um whereas now it really feels like they've uh, they just reimagined things and i think the pandemic gave some people a break that actually needed a break Gotcha. You know what? I might, I might maybe start watching Ring of Honor again. I used to watch weekly, you know, a couple of years ago at uh, Adam Cole, maybe right, right around when Kevin Steen left. But, uh, yeah. you know, I haven't in a while just because you're right. That TV show has been brutal. But uh, hey, you suggested I might uh, tune back in for a second. Um, let's talk about wrestlers. Who do you like, uh, you know, as talent right now? Who, who, who stands out to you? So many people. Um, I mean, I look forward to pretty much every John Moxley promo. Um, as far as um and kenny omega i go back and forth i mean in the ring he's phenomenal there's times where i really like what him and don Callis are doing and there's other times where they give me fits um boy cody's usually entertaining i like when cody digs in and tells stories though and we haven't it's been a little more random lately with cody than i'd like um wwe side i really enjoyed roman reigns which I, for the longest time, was like, oh, my God, get this guy off my TV. And they were shoving him down our throats as a baby face. And right. just, you know, we were begging, like, turn this guy heel. They finally did. And, and it's been better than I ever would have imagined. You know, they, I just assumed he was going to come out there and be your typical heel, badmouth the fans. And I was always waiting for that big promo where he was going to just turn on the fans. and um, The you people promo. Yeah, you know, just unleash on them for all those years of frustration that he had where he was trying to be, you know, every, you know, missed all things to everybody, which is part of the reason that it didn't work. But it, it's been so different. It's been a unique approach that he's taken with this whole head of the table thing with Paul Heyman. So that's been a lot of fun. Daniel Bryan, of course. Uh, I mean, just so many people. I mean, we'd be here all day if I ran through everybody that I enjoy watching. For sure. I mean, you know, we are on the red carpet to WrestleMania. They're the road to WrestleMania. Um, in your opinion, what is the one match or one rivalry that people should tune in for? Mm, I, right now, without even knowing if it's official, I would say Lashley and McIntyre is the one that I'm looking forward to. And I've seen those matches that they, they, they both had really good 2016s with Impact Wrestling. McIntyre needed something. He was, you know, he'd been cut by WWE. They brought him in. He was, you know, fresh off the 3MB nonsense that they were doing with him. And, you know, and he was doing indies also and and he but he really came into his own and it was that was the first time i remember seeing this guy can be a lead baby face because so many people wanted to position him as a heel and i think he's a good heel but i think he's a great baby face or because he could just walk that line with you of being that company guy without going overboard he knew where that line was and he'd start to approach it and you're like oh this is getting a little corny drew and he you know, just right on cue almost he'd pull back 
And so he was just a good flag bearer for the company. And then Lashley, same year, like for years, people tried to push him as a baby face and he wasn't very good at it. And then as a heel, and they just came up with too many weird things. Impact actually figured out, just push this guy, hope I can say this as a badass. And once they did that, it clicked. And so you had those two kind of peaking at the same time. And MVP was Lashley's manager then too, or at least mouthpiece. And it really worked. And here we go, you know, five years later, whatever it is. And they're both positioned properly, finally in WWE. And, and I think from a match quality standpoint, it's possible there'll be another match on the Mania card that's better. But I just think the storytelling possibility is there. I'm into Roman Reigns and Edge as well. You know, I think that'll be fun. But they really haven't, it feels like they're just kind of getting into the build now. We still right. have to get through that Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns match. I think once they start talking, they're really going to be able to hook us. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Gotcha. And, you know, on WrestleMania, have you had the chance to visit Wrestle or attend a WrestleMania so far? No, I have an open invite from WWE. Um, they've been great about, uh, you know, uh, just uh, they, they actually do have a media area now, um, which was something else that was almost unheard of at one point. WWE is going to have a uh, media section, but they do. And uh, for me, like as much as I would love to attend it in person, it's such a busy weekend because you think about just the WWE shows alone, and that's going to keep you very busy. But there's also right. a million indie shows, and ROH is doing a, you know, usually in, in a normal year. Um, it just it I'd end up spending all of my time in the hotel, and it just wouldn't even be fun because that's the only way I'd be able to cover a lot of these events, aside from you know being in the media section for Manny itself. And so I think it's just easier for me to do it from home as much as I'd love to. Maybe one day when I fold the site. <laughs> and go get a real job. Maybe that'll be the first thing I do. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, you know, for someone who does what you do, it might not be the most uh, practical to attend a WrestleMania and have to cover all those events. But on covering events, uh, in, in the history of your journalism career, could you just give us, uh, you know, a couple of, the, of your favorite events that you have personally, you know, reviewed or, um, you know, covered? Oh, Events man. or matches? Yeah, so, hmm. It, that's a tough one um i because it, it, with the abundance of wrestling these days so if i see an event or i see a match it feels like two matches leave my head maybe that's another sign of you know but um as far like in person i mean it was at SummerSlam for the year that jesse ventura was the guest referee when he was also governor of minnesota which was interesting uh, and, and at that press conference where they announced that uh, Jesse was going to be working that show um, with Vince and everybody. So that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, gosh, uh, the, uh, you know, another one that was a lot of fun to be at. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm leaving out a lot of the raw nitro Monday night war era stuff because that was a blast. But more recently I was there when they did elimination chamber at target center. And it was the first ever Wyatt family versus shield match. And right that was really cool because it, there was just this buzz. Like when people knew that was the main event before they introduced anybody, people were on their feet and it was like, wow, I haven't seen a reaction like that in years. People were just so excited about that match and just so fired up that it was happening. And just through the entrances from to, until the final bell, people were just so into that. And it was really cool to see. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, those are all some pretty good picks there. Uh, it's always funny with, 
what was your thoughts on Jesse Ventura as governor of Minnesota? <laughs> Completely <laughs> random, but I'd like to ask you. Sure. So I, I'll be honest. It's the one time that I didn't vote. And it's because it was a late deadline at the torch of all things. I had every intention of it. I always do vote. Um, but that, yeah, I was just like, gosh, I'm not going to be able to make it in time. And I would have voted for him just to send a message. Didn't know if he would have won, but to send a message. But I'm happy that I can say that I didn't vote for him because I thought he was very self-serving. I, I didn't, very combative, kind of like what we just lived through, but to a smaller degree. Um, I, I didn't think he was a good governor. I just didn't. I, I, I was disappointed in some of, the, some of the things that he promised that he didn't deliver. Um, and yeah, it's just, it was very much like the orange man, me, 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 me. Gosh, I've, I've never actually spoken to someone who lived through uh, Governor Ventura, so it's interesting to hear. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, just finishing up, why and how should uh, people check out ProWrestling.net? Yeah, so, I mean, we're always uh, keeping up on news, and, and uh, so if you like watching a television show and you want a perspective of, hey, what somebody else think about this? We give that. There's a lot of sites out there that just run straight reports where it's just who beat who and what the moves were. And that's great. But we try to give you the instant analysis to go along with it. So you'll get that. Uh, if you can't see a show and you want to keep up that way, we'll certainly be able to do that for you. But we give that instant analysis coming out of matches and angles. Uh, and that's uh, the same for, you know, so many major television shows. We have live reviews of uh, the shows you do come on, you know, there's some shows that we just can't go live, but those reports are up shortly thereafter. And so we're doing this for all the major television shows, all the major pay-per-view events. I have my hit list that I do just uh, running through the highs and lows of each show. And so, yeah, if you're looking for a news fix or a live review fix, whatever it is, we got you covered at prowrestling.net. Awesome. Thanks so much. And yeah, everyone should check out wrestling.net and uh, all of the suggestions that Jason gave in this interview. Thanks for joining us, J Jason, and for everyone who's listening. Uh, thanks so much for checking this out. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. For sure.